You are listening to EE Entrepreneurs, where we meet the engineers who turn their passions into business ventures with innovations that benefit people and the planet. Hi, I'm Amy Kalnoskis, editor with EE World. And in today's podcast, let's go GAN, or I'm thinking power for the people, power for the planet. GAN, or gallium nitride, can be a rather passionate conversation starter, especially when you're hanging out with anyone in power electronics, which we all tend to do if we're not in it already. Most feel that GAN is poised to become the next semiconductor for power electronics. Wide band gap semiconductor materials, like GAN, enable devices to operate at much higher voltages, frequencies, and temperatures than conventional semiconductor materials like silicon or gallium arsenide. The result are highly efficient devices, and higher efficiencies translate to less energy usage, which means needing less electricity, which means fewer coal-fired and nuclear plants, etc., You get the point. However, the question arises whether GAN is here and now or somewhere out there in the future. On our show today is someone who's incredibly knowledgeable about GAN and is prepared to talk about the state of GAN. It's like a second language for him, although maybe a first. Dr. Yumesh Mishra is the author of over a thousand publications, an IEEE fellow, a recipient of multiple awards, and ranks among the top 1% of the most highly cited researchers in the world. He was also elected to the National Academy of Inventors in 2015. So my point is, once again, I got someone here with street cred. Dr. Mishra is currently the CTO and co-founder of Transform, and he's also the director of several GAN research centers. Hi, Amy. Uh, Thank you for having me uh, in your podcast. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Umesh Mishra. I'm, I'm a professor at UC Santa Barbara uh, in uh, beautiful Santa Barbara, California. I'm also an um, entrepreneur, um, having started two companies. The first one was Nitrous. That was a comp- the first gallium nitride startup in the world, which focused on both blue LEDs and RF gallium nitride which is now uh, becoming commonplace. Uh, RF gallium nitride is being used in commercial and um, military applications. So I'm very proud to have actually um, founded the first gallium nitride startup to actually bring those technologies to the market. Co-founded it with a a fellow faculty member of mine, uh, Steve Denbars. It's not enough to meet global energy demands by simply finding more ways to produce electricity. We have to become super efficient at converting electric energy from one form to another. That's power conversion, and it's where Dr. Mishra and others in the GAN revolution feel GAN will have the most impact. In fact, you know, the U.S. Department of Energy believes GAN devices will be a foundational technology in new electrical grid and alternative energy devices as well as the robust and efficient power components used in high-energy vehicles from electric trains to plug-in electric vehicles. In 2007, I thought that gallium nitride was ready for its next gig, which is basically to try to reduce the amount of waste that occurs in power conversion. And I'm passionate about reduction of waste. Uh, This 
problem is not uh, related only to power conversion. In almost any electronic function, there's waste or inefficiencies, and we pay for them whether we like it or not, uh, both env environmentally and also with the pocketbooks. That's what made me start Transform, co-founded it with an ex-student of mine, uh, Primit Parikh, and uh, here we are today. Why Transform, and what can you tell us about the, the technology behind it? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Gallium nitride is a material which is actually uh, fairly miraculous in the sense that it's a material that has managed to enter the marketplace even though it is not grown on a native substrate. We actually grow gallium nitride on silicon, silicon of course being the most widely available semiconductor in the world by far. We decided to go uh, into the market by making gallium nitride on silicon power conversion devices so that we not, we not only provided a function the whole world desired, which is very high efficiency power conversion, but also did it at a price point that we could impact people in the world. So it was not only a first world solution, it was a first through third world solution. I believe that technology has the ability to raise the um, livelihood of people the world over, and we can impact uh, the quality of the planet. I mentioned early on um, that we have a lot of conversation about GAN, and sometimes I hear, well, yep, it'll be great one day. Yeah. We're not there yet. We, we can't put it in products yet. Yes, it, it is high efficiency. So it, it seems like it seems like maybe this was a, and I'm not quoting a movie title, but a little bit of risky business. Uh, naturally, <laughs> entrepreneurs will take a risk. So can you elaborate on, on uh, perhaps, you know, and we do have a technical audience, so maybe the, uh, you know, I, I understand you use a cascode mode as opposed to an e-mode. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think this is really is, is interesting, even for the non-technical folks amongst us. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, actually, because whenever you start something new, and if there is an incumbent technology in place, you are basically swimming upstream. The only difference is you don't want to be a salmon. You don't want to be, you, you don't want to die actually at the end of the journey. <clears throat> but it is an upstream swim. There's no question about it. And the reason is, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, this is not a statement against the incumbents. <clears throat> it's what incumbents always do. They want to uh, keep the status quo and everything new <clears throat> is cast under suspicion, sometimes correctly, sometimes not so. What we had to do is to do two things. We had to ensure that whatever we did, we did not disappoint the customer. So we are very transparent and we produce a product that people can rely on. So reliability and having us be the go-to person when it comes to gallium nitride is very important for us. We are not in the business of trying to make the highest performance product Heck, I'm a university professor. I can make high-performance products, but I know that there is a pretty large gap between the highest-performance product and the product which is reliable and high-performance. So what we chose to do was to, was to basically produce for the customer a normally-off device which used a cascode configuration using a silicon MOSFET, a well-developed, 
highly reliable silicon MOSFET which interfaces to the driver. Designers have been working with silicon for years. Working with new semiconductor materials and understanding the effect of their different operating characteristics on the device you are designing should be an issue. I wanted to know how Transform tackled the learning curve. As far as the user was concerned, user interface, what they were driving was a silicon MOSFET. However, the performance that the product gave the user was that of a gallium nitride transistor. So we basically delivered the performance of GAN with the reliability of silicon. If you provide the customer something different from what they expect, you will lose the market and destroy the technology. Now to just enhance that conversation a little bit, is a single chip EMO desirable? Absolutely. We are not in the business of saying, hey, E-mode, single chip E-mode solutions are undesirable. No, not at all. In fact, we believe they're desirable. But what is desirable is a reliable and dependable and a high performance single chip E-mode. Transform is fully committed to producing such a product for our customer. But we do not believe in producing a product which doesn't match the reliability of our CAS code. I think part of the reason why it is not popular uh, in, uh, in the conversation is because people want to do is to basically see whether the gallium nitride solution is providing the solution to their problem or it is not. A lot of the people who are questioning the Cascode solution, not all, are people who are doing it in, no pun intended, an academic fashion. For example, we have customers using our CAS code in a totem pole power factor correction circuit. This circuit cannot be implemented in silicon without standing on your head and doing some unnatural acts. <laughs> so if you end up using gallium nitride in a totem pole solution and people are using our CAS code, we hit titanium class efficiencies in power supplies. We welcome all our critics to join us and try to produce uh, devices for totem pole power supplies, which are reliable and our customers feel are something that they can actually take to their end customers. In fact, we wish other people would also produce reliable gallium nitride transistors. The more people there in the marketplace that could do so, the better it is for the technology. So we are actually welcoming of others to please produce highly reliable gallium nitride technology so that we can all succeed in the marketplace together. Um, actually, the biggest barrier uh, to, to market adoption at the moment is the fact that gallium nitride and silicon carbide MOSFETs are relatively new. And I don't think that the biggest barrier is really a CASCO to E-mode solution. Uh, yes, if we had a single chip E-mode, which was as reliable as our CAS code and as, our, as reliable as silicon, would it make uh, people lean into gallium nitride more? Yes, I do believe that is true, Amy. But will it substantially change everything that is happening on a time scale, which is, um, you know, uh, non-glacial? I don't think so. I think that what people have to get comfortable with is gallium nitride 
as a material and, the, and as a solution. I believe very strongly that gallium nitride is in the market today and selling like hotcakes in the RF domain. People are creating a lot of confusion about gallium nitride being grown on a foreign substrate and having dislocations are potential reliability hazards. That's just bunkum. And the reason it is, is because we know for a fact that gallium nitride is grown on silicon carbide on a foreign substrate, and it is not only widely used in commercial applications, in fact, it's the largest uh, growth sector right now in the marketplace, gallium nitride RF. It has already been designed into military applications, and the military is not one to tolerate uh, low reliability. The military, in fact, has announced that they're deploying gallium nitride in all kinds of applications. These are the same materials that have dislocation. For those non-techies or non-material science experts who are still with us, dislocation is a crystallographic defect or irregularity within a crystal structure. So we're talking semiconductors. The presence of these dislocations strongly influence many of the properties of the materials, so it's important consideration. I thought Wikipedia offered a decent analogy for visual dislocations. So take a stack of paper, and if half of a piece of paper is inserted into a stack of paper, the defect in, this, in the stack is noticeable only at the edge of the half sheet. Dislocation. There's a lot of this talk about dislocations is confusion. And there are other things that you know, would, would raise the conversation to a much higher level, but, but it is not, the conversation never goes there. Mm. I'll give you another example, okay, Amy? We had a conversation many years ago uh, where people said silicon carbide mesfets would rule the roost when it came to RF and gallium nitride devices would not because guess what? Silicon carbide devices had no dislocations. Gallium nitride devices had a ton of dislocation. Fast forward 2017, there are no silicon carbide mesfets, silicon carbide RF devices in the market. And the reason is not because of anything. It's just that people sometimes raise what I would consider to be unnecessary deflecting kind of conversations. I would love to have an, a good conversation about gallium nitride. So some of the things is we are swimming upstream where people are putting forth roadblocks. But you know, an entrepreneur, that's the life of an entrepreneur. If you can't handle life in the tumultuous <laughs> real world, uh, you should choose another path. So this doesn't bother me too much, but you know, it's something that you can't just accept. You have to actually um, say what's true and continue to say what's true and let the customers decide. Yeah, well, your passion will help you get there. So um, I couldn't agree more. I, I hope so. Yeah, I keep <laughs> hoping I'm not a salmon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if we have any bears in the audience either. I think you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Omesh, let's, let's take this from just a, a, another angle here. And you mentioned it a little bit at the top of our conversation. We're seeing a shift in fossil fuel dependencies, but and we're looking for cleaner energy. We're looking for higher efficiency, yeah. but we're using a lot more electricity. You know, think server farms, think 
Oh, well, you name it, right? You mentioned energy waste, and and you may or may not mention this conversation, energy poverty and the climate. And And then help us make that connection with what GAN brings to that as a solution to these energy challenges? Well, thank you for asking me to elaborate on that, Amy. This is something I'm extremely passionate about. I think that not only galenitide, but also silicon carbide and every semiconductor that can actually put forth a solution be celebrated. I believe galenitide is the best semiconductor today. And, uh, and the reason is that it has a huge, already it has a tremendous market uh, recognition in the LED domain, right? This is the same material that puts out blue light and white light. Mm-hmm. And so it has a terrific uh, infrastructure in place to grow the material and process it. Gallium nitride itself is a material that then cut waste in power conversion by over 50%. And what that does is that it causes two things to happen. One is the less, and you mentioned this in your introduction, and I appreciate you doing so. If you, the amount of energy that is wasted is really the extra energy that you have to generate and uh, for the, to provide the same function. So waste, wasted energy is equivalent to generating excess energy because you're just pissing it away. Mm-hmm. And the main thing that you want to do is you want to make sure that people realize that it's not only that you generate all this excess energy, every process is a polluting process, some more so than others. The less you have to produce, less energy you have to produce to provide the same function, the less you contaminate the planet through, through pollutants of various types. Secondly, the cost of wasted energy is what you pay for. So it's like if you use a dollar of energy and suppose uh, for every dollar of energy you use, you probably waste about 50 cents. You pay an extra 50 cents in transmission losses, power conversion losses, and so on and so forth. So it's a hidden tax that is uh, layered on everybody when you pay your electricity bill. This is something that I think, I, I don't like wasting anything and definitely don't like wasting money. The third thing is that uh, when you look at gallium nitride, what can gallium nitride do? Because it is such an efficient material and it reduces the amount of waste. All waste that is of energy ultimately manifests itself as heat. And heat is what basically has to be uh, taken away, has to be managed has to be basically dissipated away from the source. So if you look at a stereo amplifier or you look at some other system like that, you will find that a lot of the, first of all, it's, you know many of these systems are heavy and they have big heat sinks, basically hunks of aluminum to take the heat away. And if you look at the amount of cost that goes into actually providing the thermal management of such systems, it's very, very high. And in many, many instances, larger than the cost of the electronics itself. If I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, the, the, it's, it's definitely a hidden cost because who's thinking about the energy cost of actually manufacturing the parts that are trying to dissipate the heat from, from a, exactly. a product? Yeah, exactly. it's in free fall. You know, for example, yeah, it's a free fall. If you look at, if you think about it, Amy, the most energy in, well, not the most, because somebody's going to hold me <laughs> to my well. words. Yeah. A very energy intensive process in the world is the refining of aluminum. So aluminum oxide, bauxite is the ore from which you get aluminum. 
the way you actually extract aluminum is a process called electrolysis. Electrolysis is just basically you separate aluminum from aluminum oxide through electricity. It's a very energy intensive process. Now, if you think about most of the heat sinks that remove the heat away from electronic components, a lot of them are made with either copper, which is also very energy intensive, aluminum, very energy intensive. At the end of the day, if you did not actually have to use these materials, you actually save many times over. I believe firmly when you waste, it is something that, you know, people think, oh, I'm just wasting this. No, no, there are multiple layers of waste. For example, if I didn't use the aluminum for the heat sink, I would not be paying for the aluminum mm -hmm. that I unnecessarily had to pay for. I mean, when I buy a stereo amplifier, I have no interest in, in buying aluminum, but it comes with the territory. So what I'm trying to say is that just to buy the function, you end up buying a whole lot of collateral, which is not necessary. It's a heavy, heavy penalty, which people removing this waste, I mean, will reduce the cost of the function tremendously, allowing people to save money and spend it on other more worthwhile things. The, the other thing is that, for example, look at the electrification of automobiles that is in, you know, we are on that inevitable path. Mm -hmm. Automobiles are becoming more and more electrified, and finally the automobile itself will be predominantly an electric vehicle. This gives us an additional opportunity because gallium nitride, because it's so efficient, and like we spoke before, the weight of the power conversion systems, which is dominantly determined by the heat management, and the size of the system is determined dominantly by the heat management. Both these get reduced significantly. And since the car is a mobile device, weight is the biggest drag on a car. What we can do now in gallium nitride is we can convert the energy stored in the battery of an electric vehicle far more efficiently into electricity. That can be used to drive the automobile when you wish to do so. But when the automobile is parked, mm -hmm. the battery can be a local emergency life-saving source. So in an earthquake, you can use your car to provide electricity for the home. You can, when you're out camping, you can use the car to provide electricity in remote places for either essential or entertainment purposes. But you can only do this if the power conversion device doesn't take too much room and is not does not have so much weight that it becomes a burden on the car. So when you actually end up using gallium nitride-based power conversion devices, you can open up a whole new world of applications uh, which are pleasing, entertainment-wise, are life-saving, like in the case of an earthquake or some disaster, and so on and so forth. Oh, so that's when why Tesla put their plant here in California, huh? <laughs> Yeah, probably. And who, you know, I, I, interesting. I somehow don't think that the person buying the Tesla is thinking about it being that kind of a dual purpose product, but um, it's it's great to be aware of that. Uh, note to self. Well, you know, <laughs> you're, you're right. You know, I mean, you know, did people think of this right from day one? No, I think that what has what is happening is that with these solutions that we are providing, it's opening the imagination of people to provide new functions. And that to me is super exciting. You know, I mean, to me, being an entrepreneur is not solving the world's problem, is by is providing new tools that 
other people who are smarter than you or as smart or not as smart, the other people will use that tool set and they look at it in a way that you never looked at. That's and basically create wonderful new applications that you would never think of. The, this is just the beginning of a whole new set of applications, of designs that are going to emerge because, you know, up till now, many, many electrical systems uh, were designed in the proverbial tail wagging the dog kind of a concept. Mm-hmm. You, you started with the thermal design. That means, oh my God, I'm going to dissipate X amount of heat, right? And then you, you basically decided how to get rid of the heat and then you stuck in the electronics. So the design of any electronic system is really a design by a mechanical engineer as they should be. But you know, if you look at today, you look at the headlights of an automobile, which is a gallium nitride LED, and you look at what happened when you went from halide headlights to uh, a LED-based headlight, all of a sudden you had these beautiful front end of cars, you know, the Jaguar having these cat eyes, um, you had uh, Acuras having this jeweled look in the front, cars having kind of an LED-based neon look. So you could create a whole design philosophy where since the electronic device had become less wasteful, in this case an LED relative to a halide lamp, you could end up creating a whole new design space for automobiles. The hood of a car, the front end of a car could now be curved to an extent it never could be curved before because you had to stick four headlights in the front of the car. To me, I believe that eliminating waste is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful for the planet. It's beautiful because it actually allows people to reimagine systems and it provides all the function that you desire and more at a reduced cost. How can that be a bad thing? It can't. And I hope our audience feels that way too. And in your words, Umesh, I hope that you've opened the imagination of the folks listening to you and the engineers who maybe you've inspired by some of your ideas about what can be done and how this is just the beginning. Hopefully to any of those engineers out there who are thinking of starting up a company, hopefully Dr. Mishra's story inspired you as well. Thank you, Amy. I'm Amy Kalnoskis, and you've been listening to EE Entrepreneurs, from EE World and WTWH Media. Join me as we uncover the human stories behind the engineering successes that make a difference.